0: This is episode 84, and we have a very special guest on. In front of you, you're gonna see in a few seconds is Max Fitzgerald. So he's a broker and CEO of Kraft and Bauer Real Estate Co., uh, an independent full-service brokerage for this uh, again, sorry for the broken English, this discerning uh, clientele. He's from uh, California, Los Angeles. So uh, just happy to have you on. I know we're gonna cover some you know, great topics, everything real estate today. So we're happy to have you on the show.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Man, all these big words just making
0: things difficult for me, right?
1: Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Try not to make your life so difficult.
0: I'm just but you nailed it. I'm just kidding. Listen, uh, first question first, right? So li- like the beginning stages of uh, real estate, um, you know, creating the brokerage. First of all, how did you came across this idea that you need to create this brokerage? What happened prior to that? Is that your first business, second business? Can you tell your story a little bit to the audience?
1: Sure, yeah, great question. So I'm, uh, to give the audience perspective, I'm 32 years old, I'm still relatively young. Um, I got started in real estate as an apprentice. So I met someone who I went to college with, although he was about four years older than I was. Uh, And at the time that I met him, he was a one-man show. So he was a real estate broker. He was building homes throughout Los Angeles. He owned apartments throughout Los Angeles. So he was kind of a jack of all trades. So real estate was always an industry I wanted to get into. I thought it was, uh, you know, I, I, my passion sort of resonated towards there, but I never wanted to be a singular real estate agent at a big company. That that was never something my, my intention. So um, I basically agreed to work for him for free in return for to, for him to teach me basically everything that he knew. So I, you know, I, I worked for him for about 10 months. I lived at my parents' house, but absorbed absorbed as much information as I could. And then over the course of about five years, I really started to gain my niche. I, I, you know, was was doing pretty well, but I I also had a more of an entrepreneurial itch to build a company uh, of my own. So I got my broker's license and then uh, opened up Craft & Bauer, which is a residential real estate brokerage, uh, we're we're based in Los Angeles, but we also have an office in Northern California, an office in Austin, Texas, and soon to be in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, so you know, opened up the doors and and really pivoted uh, to being a manager, uh, an operator and it's it's something that i've I've really enjoyed doing over the last uh, couple of years here now.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. So again, uh, no pink book help you to to kind of open your eyes to the real estate world and probably you you don't have a clue what pink book I'm talking about, but that's rich dad, poor dad, you know, because that's a lot of, a lot of real estate people who are in the industry, you know, investors, uh, you know, house flippers or they're realtors. They talk about the pink book most of the time, but you know, but, but that's awesome. Can you give some takeaways again, because being at that young age, uh, you know, to build a company, which again, Is growing successfully now in multiple states, which I congratulate you on that. Can you give some takeaways, like what helped you to scale your business? You know, so fast. You know, being at that age.
1: So the biggest thing was, so, so to take a step back, there's, there's uh, compass is probably the biggest real estate brokerage in the United States that have, that has significantly gained market share and their biggest value proposition is technology. Um, so, And they're doing a really good job at executing on that strategy. So the person that I, I opened up the business with, his name is Dominic Labriola. He, Him and I have been friends for six years. I mean, really when I got started in real estate. And he was uh, at Compass prior to him and I basically starting the business together. So the a a couple of big things that we wanted to execute um when we opened our doors was number one we had to be a tech forward office that's just the way the industry is trending and that's what real estate agents are really resonating towards it's hey what are you going to do as a brokerage, as a company to help me scale my business in the most efficient way possible? And a lot of that is through technology. So before we onboarded any agents, we we had to make sure that our infrastructure was in place and we had all of the technology tools built into our systems here that our agents could use and really uh efficiently make their days easier and easier so that was really number one was getting that good infrastructure in place and then number two was really creating a good company culture and that's a really big one that's that's missed oftentimes especially in real estate brokerages where all of the agents are essentially their own bosses and competing oftentimes for the same sellers the same buyer so it's a very it can be a really competitive environment so what we've done instead is uh you know and then covid hit so we had to we especially this year we had to pivot and keep leaning in on being a a collaborative welcoming education kind of first company I, i mean we we collaborate as a company in a lot of different efforts um, we don 't recruit a lot of agents in the same cities and neighborhoods, so there 's not a lot of overlap between what agents are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we meet We meet once a week as a, as a company at least, so we 're very hands on with our agents. We teach them a lot. We groom them to be you know if, if an agent is a C real estate agent, we really put them in our little vacuum in our bubble teach them, encourage them um, in an individual setting and in in a group kind of company setting. And we can bring that C player to a B player, right? So, so that's, so our company culture, I think it's, it's harder to explain if you're not in it as one of our agents, but that's been a really big value proposition that uh, has, has, has helped us scale the business because, it really becomes word of mouth. It becomes, hey, Kraft & is a really great company. It has good tech, but just generally, like I've really taken my business and, ha- and now have a good understanding of a lot of things that I didn't in the past. So it's things like that that help us scale the business over the last couple of years.
0: Got it, got it, awesome. So can you just uh, elaborate a little bit more on you know putting systems in place for your business to make sure that you're getting those you know, growth moments in the business. Like, can you talk about some of those systems?
1: Uh, Sure. Yeah. And to get a little specific here. So uh, one of the biggest ones that we have is our website and our website is tied into our, our CRM uh, system, our client relationship kind of software. So when someone lands on our website, on our search site specifically and kind of pokes around and then leaves we have artificial intelligence baked into the website that will then either email that lead or text that lead um, automatically on behalf of a real estate agent within our brokerage. And you know, that we're getting really tremendous results from that consistent follow-up um, on the artificial technology side. So that, that's that been a really big one. Um, our CRM, sir. Uh, software is really great it allows us to basically take our entire database and then sort them into segments and and do a lot of more automated things so i would say our our real estate website our search site and then our crm service are probably the three biggest ones um that we currently utilize
0: okay got it so we'll see how the ai works here because i'm just on the website currently so we'll test it out we'll see
1: yeah. Yeah. If you go to search.craftbarrow.com, it's going to prompt you to, as all real estate sites, it's going to cra- uh, prompt you to log in with Facebook or create a profile. Yeah. Uh, so once you do that, poke around and then leave and then see how that AI engages with you.
0: Awesome. So again, on that note, um, because again, artificial, uh, artificial intelligence technology is just like, it touches so many points in a business and going further uh, and further, you know, along uh, looking in the future, I think uh, a lot of businesses, because you know, like, the biggest businesses before, if you're going to look like 100 years ago or even 50 years ago, was like the railroads, you know, the the factories, manufacturing, anything in that nature. And now the biggest businesses are everything is digital. So Google, Facebook, Amazon, right, kind of those type of services that everything is going online and they're using more and more softwares and, you know, development on that point. So... So what are you looking from your own business perspective? Any ideas that you're planning to kind of, I'm not asking for secret, uh, you know, plans that you're planning to do, you know, by implementing, uh, you know, the technology, but maybe you can give some some insight. What are you planning to implement when it comes from the technology standpoint into the business to make sure that you can scale it even further?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. It's, and it's a complicated question, especially being a really small company. I mean, we're, we're by no means a very big company. This is my bit, best answer to your question. It's very difficult to foresee where technology is going to be in the next two to three to four years, especially for real estate. I think things like voice, right? You have Alexa and things like that. Um, I think that's going to really start to to dominate the home atmosphere of consumers. So if it's like Alexa, find me a real estate agent, you know, who does Alexa go to? And I think that's gonna really disrupt a lot of things on the technology side or on the, you know just your market share side as a real estate agent. So getting in front of that, whether it's building a brand right? Either as a personal real estate agent or a company. So people have you or your company more top of mind. So instead of saying, Alexa, find me a real estate agent. It's, hey, Alexa, find me a Keller Williams real estate agent in Los Angeles uh, or XYZ real estate agent. Um, so I think that's really big. That's a, that's, that's a tactic that you can get in front of disruption in the industry. Um, but I and it's hard to answer your question. I can tell you that Google, I mean, advertising on Facebook, advertising on Google, um, advertising on LinkedIn, these are very low costs, you know, CPMs to get in front of the consumer's attention. Mm -hmm. So that's something that we're aggressively taking advantage of. And basically we're spending all of our advertising money digitally right now. We're not really doing much for mailers or your traditional marketing. So, it's, it's kind of forecasting where things could be as a small company on the tech side, but also really taking advantage of what's very low cost CPMs to get in front of your end user on the current modern platforms that are essentially free. I mean, it's, it's free to, to get on Instagram and make a video of yourself and the distribution is great. So, um, so that's, those are some things that we're thinking of and currently implementing.
0: Got it. Got it. Good. You know, I love the approach because you're already just tapping in into existing networks, which is, again, there's a lot of people, you know, in those networks existing right now. So, you know, it's the best way to do it. Of course, uh, yeah. like, as you said, you know, just, you don't know what's ahead of us. So, but at the same time, just keeping the track of what's going on, as you mentioned, Alexa, and how do you rank, you know, in the top top positions when people start looking you know for those realtors through those technologies
1: yeah and to also echo that point i mean covid is, has it's it's been a really interesting time in 2020 because now virtual things like virtual open houses have become a lot more accepted um you know walking through a house and facetiming your with your client to see so your client really never sees the house like things like that are becoming a lot more accepted and i think on the technology side like it's going to skew it's going to continue to skew more and more towards whether it's a port, so you can see the entire house in 3D or virtual walkthroughs or virtual open houses, like these things are not going to go away once COVID goes away. And I think that's just the way that the industry is going to trend. And there's going to be, I think, a lot of technology and systems built on top of, hey, v- think seeing things virtually is now a lot more accepted. So now let's figure out how to capture more of that attention. So that's, that's kind of where I foresee real estate going in a two to three year window. Got
0: it, got it. All right. So you emphasized kind of on, you know, the company's culture and uh, that is very important to you and of course, for your business success to make sure that you build the right culture for your own business. So can you talk about, you know, the process behind putting the right team together? So let's say from finding somebody, how do you evaluate if they're fitting, you know, for their current uh, position? So those type of things.
1: They have to be kind people that's, that's number one. They have to be, they have to, they have to basically fit with our company culture, right? We, we don't onboard, even if you sell a hundred million dollars of real estate a year, but you're just not a nice person. It's, it would be a very difficult decision to bring you on because maintaining a really good collaborative company culture is, is something that really sets us apart from other, um, real estate brokerages. So, I would say first and foremost, they have to be kind and be good at what they do um, and just be willing to, to learn and to, uh, you know, kind of allow us, allow, cause a lot of the systems that we've kind of implemented at Craft & Bauer are not, uh, they're very robust. And um, it's basically every single piece of real estate technology that a real estate agent could possibly use. Um, so if, if, if you don't really take that on and and use the systems that have been built out to your advantage, then it's, it's going to be a really difficult time helping, uh, you know, someone help scale their business is what I'm trying to get at. So they have to be good people. They have to be willing to, to take on more of a forward-facing sort of technology position in their day-to-day business. Um, and they have to kind of be good at what they do. I mean, we're, we're a small company with, um, with, not a lot of offices throughout the country, so um, it's it's it, I don't know. We we're very selective about who we bring on, especially being a, a a younger company. But you have to be good, kind people.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard that. I heard that. Uh, you know, more than a few times. Everybody, you know, that I spoke about. They always say, if you're looking for somebody to hire, always choose an attitude over skill because the skill you can teach but the attitude is is something that you can't teach so yeah okay. that what you said is yeah is super important so can you talk about again as you mentioned being kind of young small company uh, which I, again at the same time maybe it looks that, like you're young and small in your eyes but for some people just like myself you're I mean, you're growing rapidly fast and you know you I see the team that you're having on board so you're doing super well so but of course there's different levels, right? So talking about, you know, for the small companies who are looking to grow again, leveraging other existing sources of, uh, you know, potentially maybe selling properties because I see you have a leverage global partners, uh, you know, on site as well. So can you talk about the process? How do you work with them and how do they benefit you and your business?
1: Sure. So Leverage Global Partners is a network of independently owned and operated real estate brokerages across the globe. So back to one of your original questions about, hey, what what were the things that you guys put in place early on? This was one of the big kind of key relationships. So being an independently owned and in a small company, one of our biggest disadvantages when our agents are trying to secure a listing uh, specifically is, hey, what kind of reach, what kind of relationships do you have, not only in California, but in the United States? And how are you gonna put my house in front of you know a massive audience, right? And that's something that uh, a bigger brokerage does very, very well, just because they have tons of locations, tons of agents. So we recognized that vulnerability early on and we wanted to kind of combat it. So this was one of the ways we did it. So. Uh, leverage basically vets a lot of real estate brokerages that want to join them you have to be independently owned and operated um, but once you're part of that group then you become um, a representative um, so like we're a los angeles representative there's only i think three other brokerages in in la that are part of leverage but you're part of this really robust network of um, of big and small brokerages so you get that component. Um, you also have they do a lot of PR work for us. So if we wanted to get placement in magazines and publications, and you know, um, become more of an authority figure on real estate, then you know they assist with that. Um, so they're basically a crutch for a lot of small real estate brokerages to to you know to beat a lot of the bigger guys. I mean their their services exceed some of the, you know, some of the really big brokerages around town. And it, it, it tremendously helps us win more business just because of our affiliation. Mm,
0: yeah, got it. So again, for the people who are planning to purchase a property in California, planning to buy something, again, I looked at the property, so maybe it's not going to be for everybody's pocket, but, you know, kind of, so the first question, why have you chose to, to sell kind of, you know, luxury properties, luxury residential properties against, you know, selling, um, you know, small duplexes or commercial property in the first place also?
1: Good question. So we don't sell a ton of luxury properties. Um, you can search for them on our website, but we've really found our niche as a company selling million dollar and under properties in Los Angeles. Um, and in Northern California and the Central Valley of California, our median price point is in the 400, 500, $600,000 range. So we've, we've chosen to attack that sort of price point Um, And it's more the the agents that we currently have on board. Um, Once we bring on more quote unquote luxury real estate agents, then we'll eventually get into those sectors as well. But I would much rather prefer being in the affordable side. um, That's you're reaching a larger audience or uh, potential clients that you could work with in regards to buyers and sellers. Um, You know, interest rates are very low right now. And that's really toggled to, the people in that more affordable price point. So that's that's a niche that, um, I mean, before I started Craft & Bauer, I was, I was pretty much uh, in the up and coming neighborhoods and trying to capture appreciation and growth as different pockets in LA kind of appreciated and gentrified. So I was a big early adopter at, at you know, buying things at a va- from a value add perspective. Um, and I really got my start in apartments. Um, more than anything else. So I, I, I look at things a lot more analytically from a cap rate perspective, a GRM perspective. So I, I like kind of the niche that we've carved out for ourselves. Um, it allows us to do a lot more volume than a $30 million spec house in the Hollywood Hills. It takes a very, very unique buyer. Um, so, uh, that's, so to answer your question, that's kind of where, where our current head is at. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So any plans moving uh, to move to a commercial property, you know, like office space or retail, anything in that nature?
1: I think office space and retail are two areas I would not want to touch right now. Yeah. Um, office space in particular, I just think there's going to be a fundamental shift for companies because office space is basically their biggest overhead from a and L perspective so i i just think that offices or companies are going to audit their their books and say well we covid has proven that 90% of our workforce can work from home and we don't need a 30,000 square foot office let's get a 10,000 square foot office let's let's save 80% in rent and let's have a more flexible work schedule and i think that's going to happen that's that's that that is going to happen and you can start to see the early effects of that because a lot of people are moving out of Los Angeles out of San Francisco out of New York and moving more into the you know to the areas where you can get a home for the same price but with two extra bedrooms a pool and a front yard so I, I just think there's going to be a shifting of the workplace commuting sort of dynamic and I think offices are going to get hit hard um so I don't wanna be in office space. I think retail's in more trouble than office space. So I I like apartments for that reason. I mean, if you're talking commercial, I love apartments. I love, um, you know, covered land plays. I like development opportunities. I think that's more where you can realize a, more of a stable sort of investment, but I think offices and retail is, it's just a really tricky time. Um, for both of those sectors.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right. So, talking about you know, kind of giving the buyers' guide, you know, for for the buyers. So, if somebody's watching right now and thinking, "Listen, I have a budget of uh, you know one million dollars, let's say, and I'm going to be looking for a brand new property, or that could be a secondhand something in Los Angeles." So, what will be kind of your advice for those people with that million-dollar budget to? Like dos and don'ts, you know that they should be aware of when uh, looking for the best property for themselves.
1: Um, yeah, I want to make sure I understand your question because that's a very loaded question. So give yeah. me a, so, give me a little more context.
0: So basically, I have a million dollars. I want to buy a property in uh, in Los Angeles. Like, mm-hmm. what would you recommend? Like, I'm just looking for myself. Have wife, two kids. Show me something like what we can buy like and what things we should be aware of you know like neighborhoods like foundation issues like what are the things I should pay attention the most and you know what other things are are the goods that could give me you know maybe you know there's an area coming up you know in that part like what, what are the things that people should be aware of when they're buying a property from a good and a bad site
1: so i think the biggest thing to be aware of as a buyer is you know what what does the neighborhood look like in five years, in 10 years, right? Keeping that sort of time frame in the back of your mind. So to get very specific with Los Angeles for one second. So an area like Culver City, I don't know how familiar you are with Culver City, but Culver is um, a really, it's, it's become a high-end neighborhood. Uh, a lot of tech, a lot of film companies like HBO have moved into Culver City over the last couple of years and has really appreciated it in price. Um, When I was growing up in Los Angeles, when I was 10, 11 years old, Culver City was not a great place to live. It was like a D minus, kind of C minus sort of neighborhood. But over the last 10 years, there's been a ton of gentrification. There's been a ton of employment opportunities. They've a ton of redevelopment in Culver City specifically. So now. You can't really get into the into Culver City at a million dollar budget now. Single families are like in the one seven one eight range. Uh, I think it's really expensive now. So if you're kind of forecasting, is this a good investment for me? You have to kind of realize that it's that a neighborhood, and I'm sure there's neighborhoods like this in Ireland too, that have already solidified themselves as an expensive neighborhood that will will appreciate on a long term hold right? But if you're trying to realize some short-term appreciation on a two to three year hold, maybe not the best neighborhood to look because you're already kind of buying at the top of the market and things are priced in, right? So, but one neighborhood over is an area called West Adams. This is, this is a neighborhood directly to the east of Culver City by about five or six blocks. West Adams, on the other hand, you can buy a single family for 900,000 for 800,000, right, if it needs a little work. So, and there's also a lot of big institutional developers that are in the process right now as we speak of revitalizing the city. So if, you know, if you can kind of forecast the way that West Adams has trended, it's really gained some appreciation. I mean, a single family three years ago was 500000 now it's 800000 and it's 10 blocks away from Culver City, which is one eight. So that's still a pretty big delta um, on a price point perspective to kind of catch up to. So if you're trying to bank on some short-term appreciation and really maximize some value, you kind of have to forecast where a neighborhood could potentially go in the next couple of years. And that takes a lot of knowledge, especially on your real estate agents uh, from where your real estate agent should, you know, plays a role in this, but you know, if you can talk about, hey, these are the developments that are going on. These are the coffee shops. This is the kind of buyers that are moving into this neighborhood. So if you're only looking to hold this for three years, it could be a good investment opportunity. So that's kind of general point number one. Um, When it comes to the actual buying process in California, I know this isn't a California specific podcast, but the, the purchase agreement is has a lot of contingencies in there. So you get your offer accepted, you open up escrow. And then the first thing you do as a buyer is you go through inspections in Los Angeles. And if something's wrong with the house, if the foundation is cracked, to your point, if the roof is falling apart, then the contract allows you to cancel escrow and basically get your deposit back and move on with your merry way. So my biggest advice for buyers in California Uh, and specifically Los Angeles is it never hurts to look and it never hurts to make offers because as long as you have your contingencies in place, you can always back out of the contract for really whatever reason.
0: Okay. So I'm just looking here at the moment at the real shift radio podcast. So what do you, what do you guys have in, you know, on that podcast? Like what approach do you take in like can you, can you talk about, you know, your podcast and, you know, what pieces of those, you know, golden nuggets people can find in your podcast?
1: Sure. So that's, I, I really can't speak much on that. That's that's my business partner, uh, Dominic Labriola's podcast. But he interviews a lot of different people in the real estate uh, real estate world in Los Angeles. Brokers, agents, clients, um, architects, things like that. So it, it's really an all things real estate podcast
0: got it got it got it got it so you have to make sure that you go guys and check it out again real shift radio podcast it's on the website uh, craftbauer.com of course the link is going to be down below uh, but i'm sure maybe you can find it on on itunes also i'm not sure but the question for you again uh 2020 uh kind of very interesting year but at the same time you're scaling and growing your business you know by consistently putting the effort in which is which is amazing i'm happy to see that And you mentioned about, you know, scaling your business and moving it towards uh, other states at the same time. So what will be kind of your plans for this year upcoming year? Like how big do you want to scale the the current business?
1: Yeah, so by within the next 45 days, we'll have both broker's licenses in place. So within a 12 month window, where we currently at from a bandwidth perspective in terms of the upper management that we have in place. I would like to have 15 agents in Austin, 15 in Phoenix, and then grow the Los Angeles office or the California office, if we're considering both locations, Northern and Southern California, from 20 to about 50. Um, that, that would be a really great point for us to kind of grow into, and it seems like we're trending in that direction. But and on a 12-month window, that's that's where really where we want to be.
0: Beautiful, beautiful, and I'm sure it's and I'm sure it's going to happen. By the way it looks, again by the by the current results, you know I can project at least you know in my head that uh, I think it's going to happen for you guys, and I wish that of course. So listen, what will be kind of one thing uh, that you want people to remember about you? And again the legacy like because there's maybe a deeper meaning, you know, I do understand you have the, the spirit, the gene of, you know, being an entrepreneur and a business oriented person. But what what will be kind of this one thing that you always want people to remember about you?
1: Hmm. So what I've really done well is I've I've been very patient and very conservative. And and you know i graduated college and i, I moved back to, in with my parents and tried to save as much money as i could because i knew i wanted to do something entrepreneurial whether it was being a real estate agent or starting a company but i knew if i didn't have anything saved up then i couldn't do either one of those things so i i had to be super super disciplined when all of my friends from college were moving to you know the beach in santa monica and all of these great places i was still living at home and that you know, it took a big gut punch, basically. So, but that discipline allowed me to, you know, save money and save money. And then finally, when I had the opportunity to uh, be be an intern, right, and work for free for 11 months, I, 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 I did it and absorbed as much money as I could, or as much information as I could. And then, Translated that into building Craft and Bower. So I think it was really just continued to be disciplined, um, but building things the right way. I mean, we don't skip any steps. We, we, we could recruit everyone under the sun and build this as quickly as we can. But, you know, that's just taking our time and making sure the infrastructure is in place before we move on to the next step. So it, it, I think it's just really doing things the right way, but having patience and humility to say, you know what, this is, I'm taking short-term sacrifices to, uh, that, that'll lead me to to better things down the road. Awesome.
0: Great message. Great message. I appreciate you sharing that. So, and I'm sure the audience appreciate it too. So listen, uh, I would like for people to kind of get to know you a little bit more and get to know your company and what you guys are all about and kind of I want them to, at the same time, to see your success. And I know a lot of people will get inspired by your success at the same time. So what will be those social media platforms that people can go and reach you out and
1: find you? Sure. On Instagram, um, it's my personal Instagram. is max.fitzgerald. Uh, my craft and bower is at craftbower, B-A-U-E-R. B-A-U-E-R. Um, and I think the website is the best place to go, um, craftbower.com. So those are the three the three biggest places
0: here you go here you go so again it's been a great, great time. I really appreciate you you know staying here and you know giving all the knowledge, the experience uh, the key takeaways on what it takes you know to build a successful business so like it's awesome being at that young age, you know, and accomplished what you accomplished so far. And, and I'm sure you're gonna go beyond that, you know, very fast by the way it looks again, the way you're scaling the business. I mean, it's, it's super awesome. So make sure guys that you go and follow Max on all the social medias, go and check it out the website. If you're looking to purchase something in California too, you know, I appreciate the time Max, it's been a great, great fun. Uh, for you guys, just one thing that I wanted to ask you, just if you share this episode with the person that you think this content might be valuable, Uh, Please do that. And as always, I'm going to see you in the next episode. Thanks for watching.
1: Thanks so much.